gets away. Still Better than most. Better than most. Critical takeoff. He falls into the pit. He's going to get spat out. Please make welcome the Ball and All podcast, James Tiger Woods, Beric Eckerbarts, and the king of speaking in the third person, Steve Condor Condo Condon. Okay, we are back on the couch. It's Thursday. We're, I don't know, five, six days out from um, from the next state of origin. Welcome, Jared, in Brisbane. G'day, Steve. How are you, mate? Uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool down here. and not, We tried Woody again. He's uh, he's on the beach coaching. Barnsley's in wallaby camp. Um, hopefully he can make some, uh, some inroads to turning those wallabies around. Um, so he's out. Uh, Woody is on a section of the beach where there is no reception, so that's a bit of a bummer. But he's um he's actually text through some questions today when we get into the dissection of um uh, of the New South Wales and Queensland State of Origin sides for Game Two. But uh, before we get to that, Jared, um I think firstly a big shout out. Uh, as you're aware, and our listeners are aware, we took uh, two teams up to the Mick Fanning Golf Day last Friday which, uh, again, for Mick, was an enormous success. I think it probably would have raised maybe in the vicinity of half a million dollars for um, for flood victims that are still displaced in this area. Um, so good on you, Mick. Uh, absolute legend. He had every man and his dog that you think is a celebrity, they were there, including Woody. So it was a great day. That's amazing. Amazing fundraising, isn't it? Gosh. Yeah, to think uh, a golf event, a one-day golf event in a, a country region on the Northern Rivers uh, can end up two years in a row raising the best part of a million dollars is just staggering. Out of one day, yeah. I, I've played in a lot of corporate golf days over the years um, in Australia and in other parts of the world, and I can tell you uh, that it does. they don't even come close to mixed day. Mixed day is just absolutely... Uh, it runs seamlessly. Paul Gow um, and Golf Genius run the day. Ron, Ronnie Blakey is whizzing around the course with bloody microphones as an MC everywhere. Um, every celebrity that you can name um, is there participating. Everyone turns up with a smile on their face. Um, and it's a great day, really good vibe and um, a lot of fun. So um, it was fantastic. Well, uh- Credit to Mick too because then on Monday he turned up at the MCG. I saw that for the yeah. AFL for uh, their uh, big freeze raising money for uh, MND and uh, for uh, the Danaher family who were just Neil is just an amazing man and he was uh, all sparkling in um, in uh, I think a gold makeover and then did the slide down into the. The icy cold water, and uh, he's uh, just wonderful support over just three or four days for some um, much needed events. Yeah, um, and I think Jared, I think the highlight of the day, and listeners, listeners, oh, they might have picked up on this over the last couple of years of having Barnsley on the panel, but um, he probably would have to go down as the most uh, competitive person that, that you sort of. I don't know, in sporting circles, he's right up there. He's just a lunatic when it comes to competitiveness. But anyway, we played the first hole 
and we get to the tee on the second hole and at every tee there's some sort of activity, a sponsor of some sort. Anyway, it was the bull riding, one of those mechanical bull riders. Barnsley just quietly, and Woody and I are aware of this because he's mentioned it numerous times, he's always had the view that if he wasn't uh, to end up as a professional uh, league union player that he was going to be a bull rider. So he thought, well, fuck, I'm going to win this prize today. I'm going to go the longest on the bull ride. So he had a crack, 47 seconds, which apparently in bull riding terms is, I think it's, it's pretty much elite. Anyway, at the announcements, when they were giving out the awards, someone got 48 seconds. Wow. <laughs> oh, Bards, he was pissed. Anyway, so that was probably the highlight of the day. Oh, yeah, and probably the second highlight of the day is when he thought his cart didn't work and we had to push it off the fairway and then uh, Lizzie and Woody realised that he had it in neutral. But, yeah, he's a special, he's a special, special person. So uh, let's, get into, let's get into the state of origin before we get on to... Um, we get on to this week's round. Uh, it's another splintered round, which starts um, obviously uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Woody's actually been texting for two days, I think, consistently on uh, just blowing up about New South Wales. Let's start there, Jared. Um, some uh, some interesting selections, and I think some uh, interesting uh, communication around selections, especially uh, from New South Wales. Um, What's your take first? Well, if we, if we go back before we, we talked about the team going into game one, my criticism over the last couple of years has been that uh, Queensland pick a lot of guys who work hard and New South Wales seem to pick guys who are the flavour of the moment for the coach. And I was against Pangai Jr. Well, he's now been dropped. Hudson Young survives. Hudson Young survives. Um but he's also then picked another two rookies in Robson and the big front row from the West Tigers. Um, now, whether they're ready and whether that's the right balance, time will tell. But uh, constantly changing the team uh, where it's not forced uh, and um, getting the balance and the mix right seems to be this ongoing criticism and I think fair criticism of the coach. Now, we look at the New South Wales team. They have five changes. Two of those are forced by injury. You've got Cleary and Coruscant out, and they're very significant outs. You've then got another uh, couple that have been dropped in Hines, Pangai Jr., and Crichton now ends up as 18th man. In comes Moses. Latrell Mitchell comes back. Cook at nine. Robson is the backup at number 14 and uh, Alkaman, who from the Tigers on the bench as a front rower. I mean, how did Spencer Lennu miss out? There's your first question from me. Uh, and then the, the next question is, who does he start? And hopefully for New South Wales, he starts the game with your best people on the front foot. And that would mean that you make sure that Haas and Paulo uh, start in the front row, that you start Liam Murray... Uh, sorry, Liam Martin uh, on an edge. I'd have Cameron Murray on the other edge. I'd have Yo at 13, and I'd then be bringing Frizzell on later in the game, move him to the right edge, move Liam Martin to the middle, and that way you're playing your best international quality right from the outset. So that's the New South Wales team. I don't think um, it's as strong as he could have made it. It's all going to come down to how he balances, who he starts where. 
I can live with Moses at seven and Luai at six. Um, I personally would have gone with Reynolds and Cody Walker. I think Reynolds knows Suncorp so well. He's so good there under pressure. He's at a maturity level of his game right now where he's just in the purple zone. A great kicking game, great under pressure. But Moses' form has been very good. His kicking game is very good. Uh, he's got to now combine with Luai. Luai's also got to combine with that left edge. Latrell Mitchell back is very important if he's ready to go. Let's remember, though, he's not training at the present moment and he, it will be four weeks between football games for him. So how much of impact and can he have that impact across 80 minutes is key. And they also need to be able to get ball to both centres. That's where their strike is and they didn't in game one. Quickly on the Queensland team, they have three changes, each of them forced by injury. Gilbert Arrow, Cobbo out, Nanai, Futawaka and Coates come in. I personally wouldn't have gone with Coates. I think he's a major defensive liability on an edge, as he has proved with the Storm, and we only have to go back two weeks ago to watch the video about how much he can be, be exposed. I would have brought Gagai back and played either Gagai in the centre or on the wing. I thought that would have strengthened them up. Outside of that, the rest picks themselves. Um, I would suggest that he'll probably start Ruben Cotter on a right edge and start Nanai on the bench and use Nanai as an impact player. But it's um, you know, it's more of the same for Queensland. They haven't really changed a lot. Yeah, I, I think uh, what Woody wants to highlight, and I'm 100% in the same camp, is just the communication around selections in the New South Wales side. Like, I don't understand that. I mean... Freddie's been trying to push uh, this whole, you know, mantra sort of in line with the Queensland mantra of, you know, guys around the squad, when they're ready, they'll get their crack. So we've had our Dalian player from last year, as Bellamy said, not me, Bellamy said on Saturday night after the storm belted the Sharks that if Nico Hines hasn't been one of the best halves in the, in the game in the last 18 months, he'll, uh, you know, he'll stand corrected. Um, and that's coming from probably one of our best coaches ever. Um, he's in and around the squad for the last couple of years. Uh, he gets picked at 14. Now, whether that was the right the right call in the first game is sort of debatable with the positions that he can cover because they didn't take two hookers. He gets on the field and he's playing in the centres, which he does not play. And Freddie just burns him to the stake. He's not even he's not even in discussion. And Freddie stands there yesterday in the press conference or Monday and all he wants to talk about is the circus that the media beat up around selections. Well, they beat up they, they beat up questions around the selections, Freddie, because the communication, is it's just amateur hour. Like how does Hudson Young survive? What has Regan Campbell-Gillard done from first game last year and on the weekend he was outstanding again and he wants to pin the fact that Mitchell Moses was outstanding on the weekend and that he was just a lay-down Mazaire to come in. I do, there's just so many mixed messages from, from, for me coming from, uh, from Freddie and, and Brandy. Well, there's two key points there. One, one is you're right about Nico Hines. He's been in the squad. This is his third year. So if he's been there for um, three years um, and been on the fringe of selection because they thought he was about to be ready, then if you then do pick him in game one, to then discard him completely into game two uh, makes very little sense, especially when he only got low minutes in the wrong position. Um, the other key point behind this, though, is I think that that, that meant now makes 
approximately 10 people or 10 players that Freddie has picked for one game only since he's been coach and then discarded. Mm. And that sends a long-term message to team selection, team unity, um, belief, confidence, all of those sorts of things. And you know, my greatest concern, I said on the, the uh, Thursday or the Friday after game one, uh, when we had a chat about it, was that if you looked at the New South Wales body language after the game and in the dressing room, uh, to me it didn't look like the pain of hurt. There more looked a little bit of disillusionment. And, you know, I just don't know. I don't have confidence that Freddie's the man to get it right for game two and game three. And it's one of the reasons that I've been keen about Queensland. I think Billy Slade is an outstanding coach and, I just don't put Freddie Fittler in the same uh, ballpark. Yeah, and let, let's just dissect the way coaches go about things. Have a look at uh, Billy. So game one, uh, well, and, and last year, if we have a look at last year's series, he picks guys in position, in form. And then he obviously communicates in a very meaningful way to guys that haven't been selected. So for me, Reese Welsh being selected in game one, Carlin Ponga not being selected. You can have a look at how it's been communicated with the performance of Carlin Ponga last Saturday night against Brisbane. Absolutely outstanding. Uh, Gagai, no different. Um, so those conversations are obviously quite different. His man management is quite different. Um, guys that he's had around the squad, um, when, they're, you know, when their number's up, he's prepared to give them a crack. Uh, again, I think it's just a sign of... Uh, of you know, of Freddie being totally outcoached. Um, I hope I hope to hell that New South Wales can go to Suncorp and, and do a job, but I tell you what, I'm not confident, definitely not confident. Well, uh, you know, um, the other key factor then becomes uh, going to Suncorp. Um, and, you know, Queensland's record at Suncorp year after year after year, especially when backs against the wall. Now, they... Not necessarily backs against the wall here because they lead the series 1-0. But their record at Suncorp is outstanding and they're very, very difficult to beat there. So that then makes it uh, even more a task. Um, and, you know, I, I agree. I, the, the other thing that we touched on after Game 1 is Fittler has been very, um, very boxed in, it would appear, over recent seasons to play a Penrith style of attack. Mm. That means everything everything starts in the middle of the field. And so they're just trying to go to the middle, down the middle, and then let either Cleary on one edge or Luai on the other edge try and attack from there. It's been very easy for Queensland to defend. And in game one again, they up and in kept shutting them down. Whereas Billy has been prepared to play from an edge and play a lot of width and a lot of width coming out of his own end, which has turned into a significant advantage. He's also prepared to play short raids down an edge uh, on a short side, or he's prepared to go up through the middle. So it, that variation, I think, has also been very telling. You know, the bottom line is New South Wales were only seven minutes from winning game one. They were so close. If they'd started the game on the front foot with the right starting team, in my opinion, they potentially go on and win the game. Well, they didn't. So they've now got to pick themselves up and improve to win game two. It's a difficult task. I just don't think they should be in such a hole as I think they are. And uh, as Gordon Taylor sums it up, there will be 52,000 Queensland foot soldiers at Suncorp. Sounds like they're an army. 
I know you well, guys are a bit uh, different across the border, but it's it's uh. Listen, I, I've done a, a number of uh, a number of Origin games at Suncorp over the last ten years. I've got to tell you, it's something else. I mean, uh, Queenslanders Queenslanders just loved this whole chip on the shoulder. Uh, we're against the world. We're against New South Wales. Focus and you know, on the Tuesday and the and the Wednesday when there's a game in Queensland, even when there's not, there are people everywhere in the streets in maroon jumpers, and then when they turn up to the cauldron. It is just a different atmosphere. So it's a different you know, country, different state. They're just different, Jared. Well, they are, and Billy seems to be tapping right into that, doesn't he? You're a part of it. You live in Brisbane. Anyway, let's get on to uh, let's get on to this week. Uh, <laughs> this week's round. Uh, it's another split round. Uh, a lot of talk coming out of the Cowboys that uh, their halfback might be moved on. They play Penrith tomorrow night. You'd have to think they're actually a chance in this one. They've been pretty. Uh, they've been very impressive since they got belted by the Tigers, the Cowboys. Well, well, it's very interesting that Luke Brooks has now knocked back the Tigers' offer. You know, he supposedly has been offered an extension uh, in the vicinity of around a million dollars a season. It might be nine hundred somewhere in that mark. Oh, are you, you thinking knock- he's going to the Cowboys? Well, you don't knock back an offer like that if you don't think you've got something else already sorted. Now, all the mail seems to be that the Cowboys are very keen. Todd Payton had a relationship with him uh, when he was a, a coach, an assistant coach at the Tigers going back a number of years ago. So that makes it very, very interesting. And then the mail over recent days has been that the Cowboys are shopping Townsend around in the UK uh, with a view to moving him on that then frees up the position to sign Brooks. So how does that then make Townsend feel when he still has next year to go on his contract? Uh, what influence does that have on him playing? So that's that's certainly a key watch. Listen, I found this game very, very difficult. The Cowboys at home have won five of seven, and their record is very good here. Um, but they have five key outs with all of these rep outs, and they have uh, Tom Alolo coming back, first game back for the long stint on the sideline. You'd have to question how uh, fit and match fitness and how long he can last into the game. Around it, there's been a question mark around their depth um, and certainly their defence against the Panthers, who also have five rep players out plus Cleary, so there's six out of their normal lineup. But they just seem so good at slotting guys in that know their system so well and their defence is so strong. I had a really small lean to the Panthers. They have been well backed over the last number of days. Panthers uh, or Cowboys? Really, the Panthers have been, yeah. Okay. Yep. Righto. So a slight so lean towards lean, the Panthers. Slight lean to the Panthers. The uh, good to see Jack Cogger getting a start down there. I've always thought he was a he was a handy halfback that was never behind a. Uh, a quality pack. He was very good for the Panthers last weekend against the. Uh, against oh, he the was Roosters. very good. Yeah, he was very good. Yeah. Uh, we move into the Knights versus the Roosters. Uh, we keep saying it, must win for the Roosters. The Knights, they were the better team against the Broncos last weekend at Suncorp. They were outstanding, I thought, against the uh, against the Broncos. A very high quality game uh, last weekend. Ponga back at fullback. It just looks like he just he should never just. Not even contemplate moving, should he, Jarrett, from fullback? No, no, no. I, I think we've been saying that since week one, and 
I think it's clear, and he's you know again cemented that last week. He was outstanding. I agree with you. I thought the Knights were very unlucky to lose. They were very positive with their play. They really took it to Brisbane. They Gee, actually it was a good played game. Back. Really good. Play. It was a good re- game. Really good game, and and it just took a moment of brilliance for them to get beat in the last couple of minutes. So very unlucky. Um, you know, that's now the, the second or third time that they've had either a draw or a couple of um, last-minute losses. Um, you know, they potentially should be higher on the table. But what do we do with the Roosters here? They're, they're just an absolute mess. They've got seven outs here, including the uh, two guys that have gone to rep football in, in, in Tedesco and Collins. Lodge has been dropped and no reason given. Uh, in addition, they have another four do reckon, guys sitting Do you reckon the, the Lodge – I mean, Lodge can get – you know, he, he doesn't mind sort of shooting his mouth off when things aren't going his way. Do you reckon a bit of that might be the fact that they've told him that he's not wanted next year? Yeah, well, there, there are mixed noises about whether he was going to be re-signed. Uh, if he was, it might be on lower money than he wanted. Then there's suggestions that he's in key discussions with uh, Manly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think all of that has an impact. Um, but they just can't buy points. I mean, they're scoring an average of 13 points when they play away, only 16 at home. You look at their last eight games, it's just horrible, uh, their attack, but also their defence. You know, for a team on paper that should be far stronger than, than they are performing, their, their form line is so paper thin. They've lost four of their last five. That one win was a one-point, in my opinion, lucky result against the Bulldogs a couple of weeks ago at Gosford. They go up to Newcastle. This has been the biggest move of the week, Steve. Last Monday afternoon, you could have taken the Knights at plus one and a half at home, knowing full well most of the changes that were going to be to the Roosters. Well, they've absolutely been backed off the map. They're now, the Roosters, the Knights are now five and a half at the Miners. So that's a seven point turn on the line since Monday afternoon. It's yeah, been right, a very okay. significant go. The Knights at home, record's very good one. Four of their six. They only lose Frizzell. They should be smarting off what happened last Saturday night in Brisbane. They get a very depleted and weakened um, Roosters lineup. I personally think they can win. Yeah, I love the way they played last week. And, and, and we know we sort of highlighted for whatever reason that maybe Adam O'Brien is under pressure in the next couple of weeks if he doesn't get wins. You wouldn't think that he should be under pressure when you have a look at uh, if you replay last Saturday night. They were outstanding last Saturday night. So hopefully they get on a roll. Uh, Roosters, geez, I don't know. You, where where do you search for answers? I mean, Manu back at fullback, uh, a different halfback. Sandon Smith comes in at halfback. Um, yeah, I don't know. I do, I, I'm really surprised by their their performances in the last Well, the difference there too is you, you're now putting a lot of pressure on a young rookie kid at, at again. seven. I mean, he, yeah. Again, and, and he may well be a very talented kid. Is Walker but, available uh, or is he still injured? No, he's still injured. He, he's now out till approximately round 20. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, the trial of playing Manu, you know, in the halves, it, it, it hasn't worked in my opinion. So no, it hasn't. They, they, they need to find some sort of fix there. But um, Well, and we're 15 minutes to go last weekend. He brought the young fella on and moved Manu because clearly it wasn't working. And, you know, Kiri's been left out on a limb. Um, you know, Brandon Smith's out with injury, but Brandon Smith's been incredibly disappointing. It's been a horrible year. Uh, I don't think they'll make the eight. You know, I, I tipped him to be top of the table and a grand finalist. 
Oh, jeez. It'd be one of the turn-ups for, for, for the last decade, I would think. Um, yep. The next game, two sides out of last weekend that were in form. Um, they, love, <coughs> they, they, they love playing against each other. We've got the Eels versus Sea Eagles. Um, yeah, I, I, they, uh, I mean, Parramatta always play well at home, but they were very good last week. A couple of their guys that were first game back, Regan Campbell-Gillard, um, namely... Uh, was outstanding. Uh, Cartwright's playing good footy. Um, gee, they need Jake Arthur. He's gone to Manly and he's playing halfback against his dad's side. But uh, uh, Dejan Assi, who played 5'8 last week, was outstanding, I thought. Um, haven't seen I him I thought he was before. super. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah, I thought he was super. He, 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 they picked him up from the Cowboys. Um, he was very good. He, he knows his role and... Um, who he ends up being, being paired up here with, whether they move Cartwright to six or they play Matheson, who's been named at six. Um, but they do do get a couple of ins. But, you know, the Eels are without five. Uh, two of them going to rep football. They also still have a number of guys sitting on the bench uh, with injury. Their best football's at home. They come off a short turnaround from Monday. I liked what they did against the Bulldogs. I thought their attitude and their resolve was outstanding. I thought the Bulldogs were very poor. We'll touch on them in a moment. But um, I liked the confidence that they built and the fact that they rolled their sleeves up together. Uh, yes, Manly won and won very easy, 58-18 at home against the Dolphins. But I thought that was a horrible game. I thought yeah. the, the quality of format of it was just pathetic. The Dolphins just didn't turn up. After about 10 minutes, the walkthroughs by Manly were just so soft. Um, the game was not worth watching. They actually have six outs here, the Eagles, notably Terry Evans and Tom playing Origin. But they're also missing Jake. I think that's their three best players then missing. Um, and we could see the influence of Cherry Evans and Tom Tavoyevic last week. Um, put some pressure back on some of the younger guys here to aim up. They go to Parramatta, as you suggest. But Parramatta are very good at home. Listen, I, I thought this was one of the most difficult games of the week to pick. I just went with the Eels because I thought being at home off what I thought was a stronger game last week might be the advantage. But lost, lots of question marks about both teams. Yeah, and uh, really important game for both sides. I mean, they're, 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 you know, the Eels can jump the Seagulls if they uh, if they pull off a win here. Um, looking at this ladder, gee, it's tight, isn't it? I mean, the Eels, we, you know, you, I think, you, well, you called it the start of the year that they would possibly not make the eight. They're hanging around at the bottom of the eight at the moment. The Seagulls as well hanging around the bottom of the eight. A lot to play for on a split sort of bye weekend, isn't well it? Well, the other thing about the table, Steve, is there's only two wins splitting teams fourth down to 13th. Uh, it is incredibly tight. And uh, week in, week out, even through this origin period where mm. you know you could potentially pick up wins or losses that you didn't really have factored in, it's key. So, you know, you've got the Cowboys trying to make a run at the moment. They need to win this game at home. You string, yeah, you've got this. Yeah, you string two or three together, you climb the table real quick. That's right. You know, you've got the Knights fighting for a spot off the back of probably three very close losses. Uh, you know, you've got the Eels and the Eagles here both fighting for uh, a bit of a climb to try and get into the eight. Yeah, there's a lot happening. Uh, we move on to the Tigers Saturday night v the Storm. The Storm coming off a great win down in Melbourne. Uh, we touched on it last week. It was Nick Mooney's 100th. Um, 
If you're going to have a good game, you may as well have it in your hundredth. That was outstanding, Nick Meaney. Outstanding last week. Um, so good to watch. Helen and Damon down there and a lot of family members. Um, up against the West Tigers, Jared. I hate to say it, but there's a lot of noise coming out of the Tigers at the moment. There's a lot of um, speculation that there's a bit of, uh, I don't know, argy-bargy with uh, the, the, the two old boys on the coaching staff, Benji and, uh, and Robbie, and, um, and their 2005 uh, Premiership winning coach, Tim Shanes. Yeah, there's a lot of angst in the joint. <clears throat> I propose this question, Steve. Um, we're heading into round 16. Do the West Tigers win another game this season? I'd suggest probably not. I think they're in for a major slide now because they're going to lose Coruscant for six to eight weeks, possibly the rest of the year because he has a broken jaw, but it was broken in two places. It's not an easy injury to come back from. They've now lost Brooks for a number of weeks with his hamstring, but also, you know, how focused is Brooks on wanting to play out for the Tigers this year? Clearly, he'll turn up and come back, but I'm not sure how much of his head's in the game. Um, you know, for a club that promised so much and all the talk in the off-season and all the noise from their chairman, who seems to love having so much to say about the fact that they made all of these off-season off signings, that they had everything in place with Tim Sheens now being the head coach, blah, 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 blah. Well, they sit bottom two in the table and could well end up with the spoon. Um, so, you know, they're in, they're in a lot of trouble and a lot of pain. They've got six outs this week. They play at Campbelltown where their record's horrible. They've lost their last seven at Campbelltown, come up against the Storm, who are very weakened. The Storm have eight outs. Um we talked last week, does Bellamy get a, res a result back out of the storm off that horrible offering up in North Queensland? Well, he certainly did. I would not have thought that he could end up with the result that he did over Cronulla. I just wonder how strong that form line is too. But at Campbelltown, the storm system, their attitude, their coach, uh, a very small lean to the storm for me. Mm, interesting. I think... Uh... Yeah, I mean, Jonah Pazette in at 5'8", obviously Munster out, best hooker in the game, not there, Bronson Garlic in at 9. Definitely is a, a very much changed upside. Tarek Sims starting to get a bit of game time. Yeah, I think it'll be a good game. Um, I'm probably with you on the Tigers into the end of the year. I think they're going to end up with something that they have actually collected quite a few. I think they're going to collect another spoon. I think the Dragons are going to climb the table now, Jared. So. Well, if, if ever there were members that needed to make noise about executive management, certainly the Tigers. Mm. Well, we had uh, we move on to the next one. We had Fitzy on the couch two weeks ago. It was an anxious Fitzy when they had the bye weekend. Unfortunately, uh, the Sharks, the last two starts, haven't been good. Um, two losses and two pretty poor performances. And they come up against the Dogs who were... I actually thought the dogs were a real chance against Parramatta on Monday, but they were terrible. So yep. you would think the Sharks uh, are going to bounce back here, but hard to say. Has Fitzy sent you a message to say you put the mock on him? Two very poor losses since um, he turned up on the couch. Um, I can just imagine listen. how hard he's working because they were working in that bye week, you know, when they, they were off and... You know, they're, they're two very uncranala, unfitzy like performances in the last two weeks, especially uh, down in Melbourne. I gave I gave them a chance last weekend against the Storm, and they well, that's the market. There was only three and a half between them. Um, 
Yeah, one of the key worries about last week, and again exposed, was a playing teams that were well above them on the table, if not in the top eight. And against that, their record has been so poor. But secondly, also travelling. That's now, I think, their fourth game uh, distant out of out of Sydney this year, where they've lost. Um, it certainly reads poorly. Have they caught uh, the back dragons, at home? Have caught the dragons' disease. They can't travel. Uh, they have, yes, they have. Um, well, well, back well, at home, just, just on just on the sharks. What do you put it down to? Like the last couple of weeks, what, if you were coach, where, where are the areas that you're highlighting that you know? I mean, quite obviously, the defence has been shit. But I, I, th- I thought tactically, Bellamy was very clever last week. He isolated Hines and Moylan, yeah, and and he he just kept um, working in and around those two guys and the space either side of them, and some of that defensive combination, and that's where he just completely opened them up, and it was all down through the middle and either side of the plate of ball, and when Harry Grant and Munster playing down through the middle, Meany playing through the middle, I thought tactically uh, Bellamy was very, very clever. He isolated the right areas. Um, whoever had done the, the uh, game reviews and planning into that game week was bang on, and they got the result, and uh, what was disappointing, though, was you know th- those weaknesses were isolated, but their resolve was horrible. As as it got tough after about twenty or so minutes, they just rolled over very poorly. Oh, I was there's no bounce back there, was there from those guys? Very very disappointed, and and clearly that's not Fitzgibbon and how he coaches and and what he asks for. Um, this is the other game where there's been a massive market move, Steve, on Monday afternoon when it, there was speculation that Hines may still be in the New South Wales team and the Bulldogs hadn't yet played the Eels. The market was only six and a half between these two. Well, it's now 12 and a half. So with Hines being left out, the Bulldogs have been playing so poorly, the market reacted and by Tuesday afternoon it went to 11 and a half. Yesterday it went to 12 and a half. Uh, I think that's now pretty wide, but I have to say, you know, the Bulldogs were equally as poor. You know, I thought the week before was possibly their best offering season today when they, with a bit better game management, could have beat the Roosters at Gosford. To then put themselves into that game and play so poorly last week and also fall away, not as badly as the Sharks. But they go to Shark Park. The Sharks' record generally at home is much better. Um, they're missing Rudolph and Hunt. The Bulldogs are missing uh, up to six players because they lose Addo Carr, but they still have five others that are at long-term outs at the moment. I think the Sharks have got a point to prove. They drop back a level to a team in the bottom four. I think they win. Uh, I certainly wouldn't be touching 12.5 now, but I do think they win. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> okay. And uh, if we go to the tipping comp, Jared, um, Pally and Kiwi Dock are out in front. There were quite a few people that went rogue selections last week. Uh you actually got eight out of eight. I did, and I didn't put my tips in. Oh, ouchie wower. It's really yeah. tight at the top. Um, Vaughn Blakey's fallen off the pace. Jess Perry's there. Alex Worker. Yeah, I think some road selections are, are needed. So what are we thinking this weekend for your tips after picking eight from eight last week? Uh, Steve, let's go this way. I think that the Panthers by four, the Knights by ten, Eels by four, Storm Knights, by eight. Knights by ten. Yeah, I think they end up kicking away with a decent win there. Okay. Uh, Eels and Eagles is difficult. I went to Eels by four. I think the Storm's professionalism ends up with a win and it might well by, be by eight. I think the Sharks probably win by ten 
not sure, 12 and a half is right, maybe 10. Any, anyone that's got to put pips in before next week, I'm with Queensland uh, and Queensland by four. Listen, obviously one of those really difficult impacted uh, rounds with all the origin outs. I thought the best way to bet this weekend was the Eels, just uh, sorry, the Knights just to win, Sharks just to win, take them in an all up, around about a dollar eighty seven to a dollar ninety. Um, but a tricky week. Uh, and Jared, the uh, the news of the week is the Dragons have actually got a coach. Well, and I believe after mooting that he was going to be appointed, they actually got the deal done yesterday and a contract's been signed. So at least this one can't slip through the cracks like uh, Riles did. Uh, I think given all of the candidates and what's required at the Dragons, I think they've got the right guy. He is experienced. He might not be everybody's cup of tea, but he is the right man, I think, for the job ahead. And hopefully he can now get on with planning and sorting out the back room. Firstly, who his assistants are, what his structure's going to be, um, you know, development and pathways, football manager, and then sorting out his list. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's actually just rolled out better for the Dragons. Um, I think he's exactly what they need. Um, he's not exactly my cup of tea, but he can coach. Anyone that uh, wins a premiership uh, in the NRL obviously can coach. Um, and what he did at the Sharks was very impressive. Um, obviously, there's been a few uh, a few stains on his resume, but uh, everyone everyone deserves a second chance. He's he's done his time, um, so he's going to pop up the the uh, the red V, and I think he'll uh, well, I think he'll be good for the joint. Well, and I think with uh, with a three year package uh, or deal, that's going to allow him time to try and get the list right for next year. I mean, we've already seen over the last four weeks it doesn't need that much tweaking. It's more about positive coaching and, and good quality experience coaching, which he'll bring. Uh, and Ryan, Ryan Carr's dusted off some of the things that were holding them back and got a result out of them over the last four weeks. Um, and I have said a number of times during the course of the season that they do have some really good quality kids coming through their 19s and 21s. And so you can uh, try and add to the list and get a better result next year while also then having those kids coming through that you would expect in year two and year three of this deal that the, the Dragons are back around the middle of the table and into year three challenging somewhere into the top eight. Yeah, and they won't, have, they won't get the spurn this, this, uh, this year. Sorry, Woody, it's going back to the Tigers. Uh, the other big sporting event this week, Jared, is the US Open Golf in LA, LA Country Club. Um, absolute cracking course. They very rarely open the doors to a major. Um, it sits in the middle of LA with some of the prized property in the world surrounding the 18 holes. Um, if you get time, get on and have a look if you're a golf fan. Uh, we did pick... Uh, Brooks Kepka to win the PGA, um, and my picks this week for the US Open are I'm going to back up with Brooksy, and I think the other one is Victor Hovland. And I think, uh, so Victor Hovland, I mean, unfortunately both those guys are pretty short when you think about um, tips for a golf tournament. But uh, let me just have a look at the other multi that I came up with last night. So Kepka's paying about 13 14 bucks, so it's short. Victor Hovland's paying seventeen dollars. They're my two picks to win it, and my multi is uh, it is paying. What is it paying? Condo? Where is it? It's paying eight dollars seventy nine. Scotty Scheffler, Brooks Kepka, Cam Smith, 
Victor Hovland, all to finish top 20, paying $8.79. Well, you know what you should do with that, Steve? You should roll that into the Knights to win, into the Sharks to win, and double the odds. No, oh, that sounds too complex for Condo on a Thursday. But I'll have a hey, look. Listen, I'll have a look. What, just before we close off, what about the other news of the week? So the Denver Broncos win the NBA. Oh, yeah. But what about their owner? Have you seen that? Yeah. Dan Cronky, yeah. who owns them, he also owns the the LA Rams, who won yeah. the Super Bowl only two years ago. Arsenal. He owns, a, uh, he owns Arsenal. He owns a Colorado lacrosse team, who are the current champions. Colorado... Uh, Stanley Cup champs. I mean, the guy, everything he touches turns to gold. Well, he obviously has got a formula that works. Can, uh, can can you send him a text now and see if he'll buy the Dragons? Well, I think the Tigers and the Titans are already in the queue. Jesus, that, that's uh, that's quite amazing, isn't it? Oh, wow. What about that, eh? And, you know, I mean, the Denver Broncos, uh, Bron- uh, Nuggets, their first ever title and he's the only other team that's uh, missing at the moment is Arsenal. But, man, I'd love to know his uh, personal wealth. It's got to be something. Yeah, well, and the, and the Nuggets were, I mean, no one had them selected at the start of the year to even be in the finals, I don't think. No. Like a- no. A- NBA, uh, you know, so-called experts. So, Righto, well, the, uh, we will talk before Origin. We'll try and grab, uh, we'll try and grab Woody somewhere. I mean, it's pretty hard to get... Our two panel members at the moment, they are very busy with coaching, but we'll try and get him somewhere where he has some reception. Um, but uh, we'll do a bit more of a preview before uh, next Wednesday night um, on Monday after the weekend, uh, and we'll see uh, see how Queensland, New South Wales roll next week. And um, let's uh, let's see if we can if, – if we can't get Victor Hovland home this weekend, let's get a, an Aussie home. Cam Smith, that would be fantastic. I don't know if there's a highlight rugby league game during the weekend, but I've got to say I'm absolutely chafing at the bit for Origin on Wednesday night. I just think there are, are you going so to go many out? angles. Are you going to Suncorp? No, I no, no. I'll be sitting in front of a big TV on the wall. I'll hear it from uh, my home, the crowd cheering, but uh, I think it's a very, very intriguing matchup. Yeah, I think it's uh, maybe maybe it's Freddie's last uh, last hurrah. We'll catch you on Monday. Thank you, Jared. Be good. See you, Mark. Gunsmoke here. We only set fire through the microphones. <laughs> <laughs>